Welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas, and joined for this episode by a live studio audience as we are taping on the Southwestern University campus. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start this episode with a quiz. Are you okay with that? Yes, yes, please quiz me. Um, there are no; it's not graded. Oh, we, what's we the talked point? a lot about. We've talked a lot about grades. It's okay. not graded. All but, right, go ahead. Quiz. So, if I say the word vocation to you, what comes to mind? Well, the the first thing I would say is calling. A lot of people, I think, think of it as like a career mm-hmm. or uh, that which you do with yourself. But to me, it's all about calling. What, what are you called to do? And, and, it, and it might involve a job or a career, but, but I'm, I'm much more expansive in my thinking about what vocation is. And it, it really is, what are you called to do, given who you are and your talents and, and your interests uh, and, and your history? So you know that vocation, its root is a Latin word that means to call. Oh, is that right? No, so, I did not know that. But I think calling, though, is tricky. I mean, how do you know what your calling is? Well, you don't. And so that's the point of an education like you receive at Southwestern University, which is to challenge the basic assumptions of who you think you are. And we've talked about this many, many, many times, which is that I believe that the point of of one's formal education is to mess things up. Wait, say that again? The point of one's formal education is to mess things up. How? What do you mean by that? Because uh, everyone comes in with a kind of a null hypothesis. Everyone knows what they want to do when they grow up. I want to be a social worker. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an accountant. I want to be this or that. So everyone knows I want to be a fire person. I want to work in an ambulance. Everyone knows that from a very, very early age. And... That's great. That's a great place to start, but we can't be so intellectually stubborn as to think that the thought we had when we were eight years old is also going to be the exact same thought we're going to have when we're 45. That's just not right. And, and the point of a, a high-impact educational experience that's all about intellectual and personal growth is about challenging those basic assumptions. And I think in both of our histories, um, you see that. You know, originally I wanted to be a lawyer, and I knew that from a very, very early age. And I'm not a lawyer, and, and that's because my education messed me up in, in the best of possible ways. It allowed me to find my true calling. So how did you know that being a lawyer was not the path, but that being a mathematician was? The path. You said the path. I don't believe that there's a the path. I think that, that every person... Um, has the, the possibility for all sorts of amazing opportunities for how they can live their lives. And there is not one path. And, and that's part of the scary, that's the, the anxiety-ridden part about going through life, especially when you're young and you're trying to kind of figure out uh, how you're, you know, what that calling is and, and how that vocation is going to uh, articulate itself. 
there are many, many, uh, there's multiplicities of paths for each of us. And, and you might pick the right one and, and that generates you know, enormous happiness and you might pick another one that generates a lot of happiness and maybe there was another thing that you could have done that would have made you more happy or more satisfied and you might not know it, you might switch. You have to come to peace with all of that and realize that there are these multiple pathways and all you're trying to do is figure out what will optimize your own personal satisfaction in life. That's how you figure out a vocation for you or a calling. It's about saying, I believe that, that, that I'm drawn into this thing. And not for the money, and not for the title, and not for the glory. Um, and, and even for, for those who go on to do good works, you know, we're um, in higher education, you, know, you, you, you are giving the world news. Um, e- even for those kind of things, it's not enough to say, I want to I help my, my mankind or humankind. It's about what's going to give me satisfaction. And if you're going to be satisfied by helping humankind, then that's great. Um, and you will do amazing work. Um, but otherwise, uh, you need to keep looking. So here's a question. Okay. From do our you, live studio from audience. From our live studio audience. Yes. Do you worry that people are moving students toward education, becoming only about being a way to a trade, over seeking a vocation? Uh, well, worry. I don't know if I'm worried about it. Um, I think that there are a lot of uh, different types of learners out there. And some people will, will find their calling uh, through what, what this um, questioner is calling um, a, a trade. And, and there's something very noble in, in, in building things and, 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 and being able to do something really, really well. And if that's where you're drawn, that's great. I do think it's, it's problematic, as they do in Europe, to, to make that, that, uh, that label, to put that label on you. You're supposed to be an engineer because you're doing really great in math and you're in, you know, you're in gymnasium somewhere, um, and so now you're going to go into engineering school. That's, I, I just, that's not how, what education means to me. Education means to me is maybe you're supposed to be an educator, but if, if, if your passion is art history, then you should be studying art history and, and be an art historian, whatever that means. So, um, so, but I think that we have to be open to the fact that some person will, will, will come to an early decision and saying, you know, I, I really want to go into nursing and I, and I want to help heal people. I really want to um, learn the, the art of welding or the art of, of, of building furniture. And I re- I'm passionate about that and I want to do that. Well, I hope that with a, a Southwestern experience, they will be challenged to think about other things, but they still might come, come upon that. And that's fine too. There's no problem with that. So a great question from Sandy in our live audience today, in pursuit of vocation. How do you weigh passion versus the ability to earn a living? Emotional satisfaction versus practicality. I mean, there are realities about living in our world. You know, you need to pay rent and buy groceries. And somebody may have a vocation, but that may not be accessible as a job. Um, I would say, first of all, there, there are all sorts of people in this world. And so I, I can't speak um, for, for everybody. L- let me just talk about the kind of students that we have at Southwestern University, which is a very, very small um, slice of the entire population of young people, of course. These are really bright, engaged, thoughtful, and open young minds. And, and so for these students, I, I have to say that I have this kind of um, very um, kind of uh, optimistic perspective that if they find what they're passionate about, 
that they will actually become a success by whatever metric you want to use, including you know, making a living, which is very important. I don't take that lightly. Um, but, but I think that one actually will be more successful if they're doing something that they really uh, love uh, or, or, or it's related to something. I mean, so maybe you major in classics. Um, and so maybe you're not doing something directly involved with ancient you know, Greece. Um, but, but maybe that mindset informs how you think about that which you do. Um, and you find a way to articulate that in a practical way. I do love the fact that she's, this person is talking about uh, practical, uh, the world. I, I, I live in the practical world. I don't, I don't see myself as being anything but a practical person. But I believe in, in that practical sense, that if a person um, is, is, is feeling um, the joy and satisfaction in their lives, they will be more successful by any practical metric that you, you suppose. So a, re a related question, what if you discover your calling, but it's not financially prudent? How do you pursue your calling? Uh, you know, I teach the course uh, Effective Thinking Through Creative Puzzle Solving, and I, and I have this um, president's symposium where I bring in people. I brought in, uh, this was several years ago, I, I brought in an, an alumnus from Southwestern who's a, a very well-known opera singer, very successful. He's out of... Um, He's out of Houston, but he, he sings around the world mm -hmm. in companies. Um, and someone from the class, uh, her question was, uh, I love the violin. The student's playing violin here at Southwestern, or was. I think she graduated. Um, and I really want to be a professional violinist. Uh, what advice do you have for me? And he said, uh, if there is anything else that interests you, anything that interests you beyond the violin, do that, do that. Because it is, you know, the performing arts, it's the worst field to go in. And he talked about it. He said, first of all, you know, think about, think about an opera singer. First of all, there are not a ton of opera companies. And, and then what do most people do in an opera company? They're in the background singing and they're making basically, you know, almost a living wage. And, and they're not even, you know, getting the full satisfaction of being right in the front and being the, you know, the, 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 the starring person. And then he said, now imagine, you know, you're a musician playing the violin. You know, how many orchestras are there uh, in the world? And how many first violins are there in the world? Only one per orchestra. There's a first seat and that's it. And if you're not there, then you're going to be, you know, either in the first section or you're in the second section. And, and then you're making this, you know, you're barely alive. You know. So he said, do something else if you can. And then he ended by saying, if there is nothing else that you're drawn to, then you have to do the violin. And I think that's the right advice. If, if that is the only thing that, you, I mean, you, you, you can't live, you can't breathe oxygen without playing the violin, then in fact, I think it is your responsibility to find a way to, to make that work. So we have another great question from our live studio audience. Can a person have more than one vocation at the same time? And do you think a calling is only intrinsic, i.e. self-developed, or extrinsic, i.e. influenced by life experiences or relationships, something outside? Well, well the second question, absolutely. I, I, I think it is, it is based on all of our histories, all of our, our, life, our individual life histories. And so that includes uh, things from our very, very, you know, when we were very, very small, so our, from our youth. Um, you know, where uh, we experience life, um, who we surround ourselves with, who are our mentors, who are our family members, and all of that is influential and, and should not be ignored, although we should be open to, you know, uh, uh, not f 
being forced into uh, those pigeonholes uh, placed by someone else. In terms of having a multiple uh, vocations simultaneously, I mean, like I said, I don't think there's the path. So there are, there are many paths. And, and if you are in a position where you can actually do um, um, some of them simultaneously or find, or find a, a, a profession where, in fact, you can have several aspects of, of your vocation articulated, I mean, that's the greatest gift of all. I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't know how, how easy that is to, to do. I, I just want our listening audience and our live studio audience to understand one thing about one's calling or one's vocation, which is it's not this utopian thing where, uh, oh, life is just great. And I talk about satisfaction and joy, and especially the students who are here. Um, that is not reality. So there are bad days, and Jennifer, I, I'm sure you have bad days at KUT. Uh, yes. Right, and so there are days where you just, you know, are, are not happy and you're not joyful. And, and, and that's reality that you need to embrace. And that's, like, you know, we talked earlier about the, uh, the, the roller coaster of life, and, and you go down. To me, you know you found a right path or a, one of your callings when not on the bad days, but on the good days, on a good day, you think to yourself, it's criminal to accept money for this because this is just what I want to do for fun. And if you have that on some of your good days, then you've picked a path that has led you to a calling of yours. And that might not be the only one, but it's certainly one of them. And, and for me, it's always engaging with students, ideally in the classroom you know, when I'm teaching. And, and I think that's important to realize that we don't try to fantasize that we're looking for um, a profession or a career that's going to bring us joy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 um, days a year. That doesn't exist. But on the good days, if you feel bad that you're receiving money for what you're doing, you've got one. And that's important. Kim has this question. The conversations at questions have focused on one specific vocation, as we've been talking. What do you do to prepare students who will end up working in more than one career during their lifetime, which most students are going to do, or working in a job that doesn't even exist in 2019? It's not about any um, predefined set of skills, but rather mindsets how to think effectively and agilely and creatively so that as you change and as the world changes, you can move along right with it and wherever you want to be. I mean, you know, everyone talks about, oh, we're producing leaders. You know, yeah, we're producing leaders. We also need followers. We need thoughtful followers who are going to be able to go through life and, and be effective in, in what they do. And, and so no matter your role in that, the, the, the type of thinking that is uh, one of our focuses, it's, it's our Paideia curriculum about making connections and thinking through things and creating new ideas, that mindset, that practice, it's a practice, it's not a habit, that mindset will allow that individual as that individual goes through uh, the, the life of, of their mind to be able to, to change and evolve and continue to grow. Lifelong learning is, is what it's all about. You've got to be able to continue to grow and, and become a better version of yourself even after your formal education is over. Well, and that relates to our final comment here from Jody, who says, messing things up, as you were discussing earlier, equals exposure to the unfamiliar. Learning how to learn and how to process the unfamiliar allows you to learn what path is right for you. That's right. And it's because through that journey, 
you're seeing a multiplicity of paths. You know, I used to talk about being your best self. And that sounds like good, like on a t-shirt, right? Or you know, if I'm trying to get someone to come to Southwestern, come to Southwestern and be your best self. But that's not, that's not thoughtful and that's not right. It's about being a better version of you because that gives the space for the growth even beyond Southwestern and even beyond your graduate work or whatever, and that you're constantly, all of us, everyone here, independent of where we are in our lives, should be trying to strive to be a better version of who we are today and, and be a better version tomorrow and, and have that be an aspiration for how we live our lives, how we engage with other people, and, and how we see ourselves fitting into the world. And so it's not a matter of best. We're never our best because we're all works in progress. And, and through the experience, and, and kind of as Jody is suggesting, you see this multiplicity of paths. It also allows us to see a multiplicity of selves. Well, Ed, thank you for helping us be our better selves. Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. And thanks to our live audience at Southwestern University, parents and students, as we tape this episode on the Southwestern campus. Find out more at southwestern.edu and keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.